It's being reported today that the Seattle Seahawks have requested permission of the Dallas Cowboys to interview their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, for the available head coaching job here in Seattle. Surprising, shocking, absolutely nobody. Dan has been so firmly attached to the Seahawks job from almost day one of it becoming available that it oftentimes seems like almost a foregone conclusion that he is going to be your next de facto head coach here. And that does make him a little bit in many eyes of the safe candidate amongst these other available ones that exist here in this search. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the bad one. I know the safe choice often does carry that negative connotation to it, but it doesn't mean that it can't be the right choice. And when you look at Dan Quinn and his recent body of work, he has certainly earned the opportunity to get another head coaching job here in the NFL. Somebody this offseason is going to hire him for a head coaching job, if not Seattle. And it really does start with him when you look at his resume in his time going back to Seattle, back at the origin story, if you were. He did do a defensive coordinator gig out there in Florida for a year, but this is where he really cut his teeth. Came here to the Legion of Boom at the height of their powers, taking over for Gus Bradley, who he himself had just gotten a head coaching job. Took that team defensively, maybe to their best season during that whole run, and then was able to slingshot his way to a head coaching job afterwards very quickly with the Atlanta Falcons, where he took them in year two to the Super Bowl and had that team knocking on the door of a Super Bowl victory. It just took the most epic Super Bowl collapse in the second half that we've ever seen in order for them to lose the game and not walk away with the championship. So he's a guy with a lot of success who then moves on to Dallas after he's let go by Atlanta in 2020 on the back of an 0-5 start. And he goes to Dallas in a defense that is stuck in the muck. They are giving up almost 30 points a game. Their DVOA is in the toilet. He comes in there and immediately, year one, turns that whole defense around from worst to nearly first. It takes him from 29 points a game down to 21 points a game. Takes him from the 23rd ranked defensive DVOA team in the NFL down to the second-ranked defensive DVOA team in the NFL. And it didn't just stop there. It's continued with every single season that Dan Quinn has been there with the Cowboys. So he's taken the amount that they've given up per game at 21 points in his first year, down to 20 points, down to 18.5 points a game this past season. So he continues to seemingly get better there in Dallas the longer that he has been there. And this is just one of the reasons why he's definitely going to get a job here this offseason, Seattle or wherever. So on the surface of it, this would appear to be a no-brainer, slam dunk, draft the contract right now, why do we even have to interview him type situation? But if I may, let's maybe just tap our brakes for a second and take another solid second look here at Dan Quinn. Because first and foremost, I've got a lot of hesitancy about bringing in a defensive-minded head coach. When I look out across the leagues at the recent trends, it really does seem like the offensive-minded head coaches have a big advantage over their defensive counterparts. Maybe it's the rules and the way they have shifted towards the offensive side of the ball. Maybe it's all of the great complexities that we're seeing on offenses now versus the defenses that are giving them so many advantages. But it is there, and it's been there in recent years, and it's trending even harder every season into this direction. Just take this past year. When you look at the division winners and second-place teams across all of the NFL, you've got 10 teams that were led by an offensive-minded head coach, being that that was his background, and then you had only five teams that were led by a defensive-minded head coach. And then, of course, one team led by Harbaugh, who's got a special teams background. But that's a two-to-one rate just this past season. Look at the coaches that were fired this offseason. Yes, you do have Arthur Smith, who's an offensive-minded head coach let go by the Falcons. But for the one Arthur Smith, you've got the Coach Carroll, the Vrabel, the Belichick, the Ron Rivera. These guys seem like, if not a dying breed, 
their species is having a very hard time of propagating. And this leads me in just general terms to wanting to go more to the offensive side of the ball and have that be what carries the day a bit. It does seem like with these defensive coaches, and I felt like we got a little bit of this from Carroll, but it also just seems to me to be a archetype of what you get in a defensive-minded head coach, being that they just have a tendency to be just a little conservative in their nature, right? They always want to trust their defense. You see less of their willingness at times to go for it on fourth down, less of their willingness to put the pedal down to the metal, just trying to kind of sometimes grit your way to victory at times, protect the defense at times, protect the defense through the offense at times, and sometimes drawing that offense to lean on the run, to grind out the clock. Whereas an offensive-minded head coach is more willing to just let it fly, put the pedal on down to the metal, and let's see how, let's see how fast this car can cook out on the open freeway. Just doesn't seem at times a little bit of what you get with a defensive-minded background. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but it does mean then that it's very important who that defensive head coach hires for the offensive coordinator. And this is where we get to kind of the second point on Quinn that I have a little bit of a worry on with him because I think he can hire a good staff. He's shown an ability to hire great staffs, both with Atlanta and here with Dallas. But when you look at Dan Quinn's time there with Atlanta, he was 24 and 29 when he did not have Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator. Now, I looked at the hires that happened after Shanahan and it wasn't necessarily his fault in hiring bad coordinators after Shanahan because he then hired Steve Sarkeesian to be his offensive coordinator to take over for Shanahan. And then they were still trying to run the Shanahan offense with Sarkeesian there. And Sarkeesian's got kind of his own system, his own scheme that doesn't go in alignment necessarily with Shanahan. And as we've seen here in Seattle, when you try to hybridize two things, you end up with something that just basically completely doesn't really work. You quickly had Sarkeesian leaving after that year. They brought in Dirk Cutter for a season. And then that was just about the end for Quinn. So he has shown a certain openness and willingness to be able to hire good offensive minds to drive the system. But that is what this will really be built on at that point. If he is brought in here is who is then going to be his offensive coordinator. Cause if he gets that wrong, we really could end up in some troubled waters at that point. I'm also not one to want to look at just one particular game or the final result of a season and take too much away from that. But boy, does it get hard not to look at that last game here with Dan Quinn Dallas against green Bay here in this playoff game at home and get a little bit worried when you see how that team played as the Dallas Cowboy defense went out there and laid an absolute egg against the Green Bay Packers. That's not a Packer offense, which is prolific. Jordan Love's coming in his own. They're getting better as the year goes along, but they took that Dallas team apart across the board. Run or pass, they did whatever they wanted to. Quite frankly, it was a defensive performance that looked very, very similar to recent Seahawks defensive performances. And that gets a lot of Hawk fans worried, including myself on this going, are we really fixing this then by going to Quinn or is his defense just going into that direction where it will again be solved where yes, he's adapted and modernized certain things within this defense, but that the bones of it are still out of Carroll's playbook and that that itself is being exploited in this modern era in some of their general ways they go about their business post snap on the football field. I hope not, but it does have a little bit of concern for me. I will say when you look at Dan Quinn, there are definitely some places you can see where he has modernized this defense. It's not the same as Carroll especially throughout this year. It's been a lot of those man-based cover concepts. He's been willing to blitz in a way that Carroll's not been willing to blitz. You look at us here in Seattle and we've always been a bottom fourth team here with Carroll in our blitz rate here, but maybe the exception of one year throughout 14 seasons. Whereas when you look at Dan Quinn, even last year, he had that team blitzing up around the 13th rate in the National Football League. So he's willing to blitz. And then he's also not just going to be sort of boring with this front four. And what I mean by that is we're, I'm not only going to send the front four, they're just going to go straight at you and all of the linemen know which guy's going to attack and which guy they can identify that they've got to block. He is a master at utilizing the stunt game, 
And he really has great technique in there being a former defensive line coach and teaching the technique right. And what you love about the stunt is that you get to create a lot of the confusion and stuff that you have when you, you actually blitz, but you're only doing it with the front four. You're still able to drop a lot of those guys back into coverage. No team stunted in the league as much as the Dallas Cowboys did. And he would definitely bring that into play here in Seattle. And I think you have a couple of guys in Derek Hall and Boye Mafe on their tape who show a very good job of being able to run that stunt game really well starting from the outside and ending up in the A-gap. And so this could be a little bit of a benefit that he brings with that little little bit of an adjustment that he does that wasn't necessarily something that we ran a lot of this year. We tended to just take our front four and run it heads up at him. But let's look a little bit further deeper here at Dan Quinn. Let's look at the positives and the minuses that he's going to bring here to the table to kind of maybe boil this down to a bottom line. And looking at the positives and the negatives for Dan Quinn, let's start with the positives. First and foremost, he's an excellent communicator he seems to be able to motivate men, get through to him. KJ Wright's talked about a lot of this in his d- discussions on Quinn. We've heard a little bit from Dallas players about Quinn and how he resonates with them. He seems to be a guy who really is able in this modern age to get across his message to the players. And this is very important as I think a lot of these coaches in this age are having a little bit of a harder time with this generation of player and how to get them motivated to go in the direction they're trying to get them to go. That does not seem to be an issue with Dan. He seems to get it across. doesn't matter whether it's in Seattle, Atlanta, or here in Dallas. That is, seems to be what you are getting with him. He understands how to build a quality staff. He's got a good history of building defensive coordinators on his side that can manage things underneath him. Of course, he brought Kyle Shanahan in and helped Kyle Shanahan eventually go get a head coaching job with San Francisco off of that success. I mentioned Steve Sarkeesian, which was a good hire, I think, even though, again, the results weren't exactly the best at that time, but still... The thought process to bring a guy like in that was very correct. You look at the Dallas staff that he's put together there and uh, guys like Al Harris and whatnot who've done really well there. So he's he does a good job with bringing a good staff into play. You like that part of it, and certainly that's going to be an important part when it comes to the defensive coach, what the staff is you're bringing around him, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You're going to get a seamless transition from Coach Carroll. Dan Quinn's going to walk into this building. He's going to understand the facilities. He's going to understand everything about the facilities, who works in it. He's going to understand how we operate our business here. He's got a lot of what he runs his program on, probably on the back of how Coach Carroll ran it. So for the players, you're not going to be missing a beat. Maybe there's less of a need to take this down to the nub, right? If you bring in a guy like Dan Quinn, who's got his background with Carroll and understands this program, and that just helps you to easier turn this around in the direction to get you back closer to winning football at that point versus having again take everything down, start kind of from square one, and then build it back up. He's also a defensive line guru, the part that really stands out with him. He was a former defensive line coach, and he was so in a way that you would think uh, a guy like uh, B.T. Jordan would be if he was a defensive line coach. The specialist the Hawks brought in as a pass rush specialist this offseason who did really good work with our team. He really understands how to teach these defensive linemen to be a technician with their hands. He'll teach them how to chain pass rush moves together. He's a master of teaching the stunt, which is, of course, a tried and true part of this Dallas Cowboys defense, which... They ran at the highest rate of anybody in the entire NFL. It really sets these linemen up in a way that makes it really hard on them as they go between their different uh, games that they'll run up front there. And it doesn't always necessitate then that you have to run the blitzes in order to generate pressure. You can kind of call to that stunt game. You can call to those pass rush moves that he's able to develop in these individual players in a way then that allows you to drop those guys back in the secondary and close down some of those zones, close down some of those holes out there, shut down some of those passing windows that sometimes do exist. On the negative side of it, he is a defensive-minded head coach. As I said, those guys have a harder run in this modern age to get through it and that they do seem to be informed at times in their coaching strategy by their defensive background. 
um, even as it pertains to sometimes the offensive side of the ball. He is a Pete Carroll acolyte. One could say in the situation that if you're looking to move on from Carroll, if you're looking to move on from his scheme, especially defensively fully, if you're looking to go in a new direction, then bringing on a Coach Carroll acolyte doesn't seem to be an indicator that that's what you're really trying to do. And if that's the case, why not just go back and stay with Coach Carroll? So I think that's a decent point enough. I think Quinn has updated his scheme in ways that Coach Carroll has not. I think that he has sometimes shown a willingness to be a little more wide open on the offensive side of the ball than Coach Carroll has at times. But nonetheless, I think it's a valid point. Uh, as I said before, 24 and 29 without Shanahan. People are going to point to Quinn's success as a head coach with Atlanta, including getting them to a Super Bowl. Does he get him to a Super Bowl without a Shanahan and any other offensive coordinator hire in there? Anybody. Does he still get that Atlanta team to a Super Bowl? I think it's a good question to ask. And if he was not a particularly good head coach the first time, if you remove a Shanahan then, then how good of a coach is he going to be in this stint? Maybe perhaps Dan Quinn is, quite simply, a really good defensive coordinator and that that's the role, that's the lane that he should be sitting in here in the NFL as he goes forward. We'll learn after this offseason. As I said, I think the Hawks or anybody else, there's going to be somebody that's going to hire him as a head coach, but something worth tracking and monitoring. Last, an inability to adapt after adapting. And what I mean by this is that Quinn seemingly had adopted Coach Carroll's scheme right around the time that Shanahan was in there and slaying his defenses in practice and training camp. And Quinn recognized at that time that he had to change some things up defensively, that merely dropping into cover three 24-7 and never blitzing was not going to get it done. Quinn opened up the doors at that point to a little bit more blitzing, to a little bit more man-based cover concepts, and that allowed things to be a little bit more mixed up a bit when it comes to the defense, a little bit less predictable, which of course has been a big problem here in Seattle for a long period of time. But then you see here, for instance, in this playoff game, he drive back into those old machinations. And what I mean by that is dropping back into the soft zone coverage, trusting the four-man fronts. That's what he did in this playoff game against the Green Bay Packers and had many Cowboys fans saying when it's at its worst with Quinn, he just wants to kind of go in one direction and there doesn't seem to be a lot of changes or adaptions after that point. He just keeps driving down that same road and that that's a little bit troublesome again because that's something that we've seen here at times in Seattle where we just don't have the, the adaptations, the adjustments. We'll go plan A, but our plan B, C, D, E kind of sucks. And that's a little bit of the case of what it seems like you get with Quinn at times, especially as a defensive-minded head coach. If the Seahawks hire Dan Quinn as their next head coach, I'll understand the move. I'll support it. At the same time, I will have felt that there is a bigger, brighter, bolder candidate out there to be had. I do feel like that maybe that next candidate would provide a little bit more of the boomer bust factor versus Quinn, as I do think Quinn brings a nice high floor into Seattle if he were to come here, meaning that he'll get you to six, seven, eight wins every season, bare minimum. But we've been dealing here in Seattle with the happy floor for a little bit too long, in my opinion. I'm a little bit more ready to raise the roof. I'm a little bit more ready to reach for the stars and attempt to grab greatness once again. And I don't know if Dan Quinn is going to be the guy to go that bold in that direction. Perhaps he is. Maybe I'm underselling him just a little bit. But I do just feel like it's got to be more of an offensive-minded head coach to get there in this day and age. I do feel like the defensive-minded head coach holds you back. And I do feel like it's really dependent for him on his hire of who he hires the offensive coordinator. And if that's the answer, if that's the key, then let's just go get the offensive-minded head coach. We'll see which way our Seahawks go. They're now starting to interview a variety of different candidates that we're hearing about. I imagine that we're going to get a little bit more clarity on this very, very soon. My name is Brandon Kane. This is the Hawks Nest. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe. But beyond all that, don't you ever forget, go Hawks. Go Hawks.